we are finishing our series called Seek and You Will Find. And we've been trying to seek after important things because in Matthew chapter 7, 7 and 8, Jesus is talking to the masses at the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So he's putting the ball in our court. He's saying, go ahead and ask. Go ahead and seek. Go ahead and knock. You know, if if you want to receive, you got to ask. If you want to find, you got to seek. You know, if you want to get in the door, you got to knock on the door. All right, well, let's do that then. So we've been seeking after and trying to find our peace, our people, and our purpose. So we did three weeks talking about finding peace in our hearts, three weeks talking about finding our people, and now we're on the third week of talking about finding our purpose. And I think this is such an important thing. You know, as far as finding your purpose, we've talked about this for a couple weeks, but I'm gonna ask this question again. Do you believe that you are here for a reason? that you have a purpose for your life? Or do you think you're just some cosmic accident? You know, I don't know, I'm just here, I don't know why, I'm just sort of in the way, I'm gonna try to, you know, enjoy my life as best as I can, but it's, it's ultimately meaningless. Well, that is absolutely a terrible lie. Do not believe that. You were created by a God in heaven that loves you, knows your name, has purpose and meaning for your life, and you can grab hold of that. We went through a whole bunch of purpose statements in the scriptures in part seven. Part eight, we talked about spiritual gifts so we can kind of have an understanding of who we are and what God might use us to do. And then this week, let's go to try to tie it all together, try to talk about how to win the spiritual battle, how to fight the good fight of the faith. And that is the purpose that we have here in this life. This is essentially the purpose that we have. There is a fight for us to fight and we can win. So how do we do this? Well, the first thing I want to do is get the big picture. You know, what matters at the end? You know what I mean? Like when somebody's on their deathbed, what do they regret and what do they appreciate? I think that's something that's really important. What matters at the end is often very different from what seems to matter in the moment. You ever had something seem really important in the moment and then shortly after the next day, it just seems irrelevant and why did you sacrifice things for that? You know, what matters at the end often isn't what seems to matter in the moment. So I did a little bit of just, you know, surfing the web, so to speak, using old timer language to find out what the regrets of older people, people at the end of their life are. What are, what are these regrets? From timesapplaud.com. <laughs> so take that for what you want. I don't think this is authoritative, but I thought it was a helpful little list. So there you go. If it resonates, fine. If you think it's a bunch of uh, hooey, then uh, go ahead and discard it. Here we go. Uh, seven biggest regrets of old people, according to timesapplaud.com. Number one, regarding their role as citizen of the world, people regret not doing more for others. So at the end of people's lives, they regret that they've been selfish and focused on themselves and not helping other people more. Regarding relationships uh, with people, regret number two is they regret not nurturing good relationships or ending abusive relationships earlier. So people at the end of their lives think, oh, I wish I'd have spent more time with so-and-so. I'd have gone to a deeper place in my relationship with so-and-so. 
And I wish I'd have left this person in the dust decades ago, you know, way earlier. So not nurturing good relationships or ending abusive relationships sooner. Regret number three, when it comes to their careers, many regret not taking enough risks, not, you know, just going for it, giving it that try that might not work. And then at the end, they think, oh, what would have happened? What could have been? So they regret not taking those risks. Number four, people regret not taking care of their bodies when it comes to their health. This is a pretty straightforward one. In one of the other websites I was looking at, it said that, you know, people think, ah, if I abuse my body, I'll just die sooner. You know, I like doing these things, so my life's a little shorter, who cares? But what they don't realize is that it means 10 to 20 years of terrible health at the end of your life. You know, modern medicine to keep you alive and you have all these health problems for that last decade or two. And like, that doesn't sound good at all. You know, that was a motivator for me. I would try to take care of myself. So there you go. Number five, people lament not spending enough time with their parents and children. So not building family relationships, maintaining those relationships, kind of similar to number two. Number six, people regret not being more romantic with their partners. They also feel bad about being a careless partner. So when it comes to your spouse, people regret not being there. You know, this could include things like just not being emotionally available, not going the extra mile in the romantic department, you know, not showing their love. So that's a regret. Number seven, when it comes to money, people regret not saving enough. Of course, at the end, you regret not saving. In the moment, you'd regret not taking the risk, you know, not making it happen. But hey, I tell you what, if you end up in that retirement place, and like we talked about the aged ministers fund, you know, and and you're in a spot where you just don't have the resources, that's an unpleasant place because the ability to generate wealth at that point is diminished significantly. So uh, those are some regrets. I wonder what the Christian version of that list would be. I think it would have a lot to do with wanting to do the things that make you believe you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. If we fail to do those things, if we fail to fight the good fight, to engage in this spiritual battle, if we fail to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, I think that would be a tremendous regret for the believer. Now, the apostle Paul, I think, is an interesting case. When he came to Christ, he was full of regrets because he had opposed Jesus. He was persecuting Christ. He was going against the way. And then Jesus appeared to him and he realized that he was opposing the Messiah, the son of God. He was going against the plan of God and greatly regretted that. He called himself the worst of sinners for persecuting the church. But then later on, he lived his Christian life to the fullest. So I want to go to 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. And here, the Apostle Paul is very close to the end of his life. And he says this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So here we see an incredible scripture. If you were here for part seven of this series, we we covered a whole bunch of purpose statement verses. And I think this 2 Timothy chapter four, verse seven, what an incredible purpose statement. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
to be able to say at the end, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I finished the race. Not, I put in a good year. We had a good run and then it all fell apart. But Paul fought the whole way through. He kept the faith. He didn't become jaded or cynical or veer off of biblical truth. He kept the faith and then he finished the race. He was there. He got it done, you know, and what an incredible verse. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith, Paul says. And then he's looking forward to his reward. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And he's also saying to others, you can go ahead and have that too. Not only to me, but also to all who long for his appearing. All who are fighting for the cause of Christ, waiting for Jesus to return, for the second coming, for the day of the Lord, which uh, could come at any point, you know. People have been trying to figure out when that day is going to be. We'll talk about that at the way end of the sermon today. But he fought the good fight, so he left it all on the field, so to speak. You know, in, in sports, they say that don't end the game with regrets because you didn't try hard enough in the middle of the game. You didn't do it. You held back, and then afterwards, it wasn't enough. Well, empty the gas tank. Leave it all on the field. Let's just go so you don't have any regrets. And that's a great way to live life. That's how Paul lived his life. He leaned into his calling. He grabbed hold of it. So again, if you don't have a life verse that is driving you, I think 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 is a great one. You can grab a hold of that. So how do we win this spiritual battle? Okay, yeah, we want to do that. We want to fight the good fight. How do we do that? What does that look like? I think for some people, they just have an intuitive understanding of what it means. And for others, they might be thinking, well, uh, what, what, what do I do? Well, here we go. I'm going to give you four steps in fighting the good fight of the faith. And it's going to be a little alliteration. We got an acronym, good, G-O-O-D. So the four steps are going to be tied into those letters. And so let's go through this. How do we fight the good fight? Well, the first one, G, is have it as a goal. You know, your goal should be to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith. So that should be your goal. You want to have that as your goal because it's easy to let the most important things of life slip away day by day. You know, each day has all kinds of things to deal with, all kinds of busyness, all kinds of worries, all kinds of stuff like that. And we can miss the most important things if we don't have it as a conscious goal to fight the good fight, to keep the faith. You know, that's what we want. We want to have this as our life goal. We don't want it to fade off into the distance. That's what Jesus was talking about when he was discussing the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. When Jesus is describing what the thorny soil is, it's this in Matthew 13, 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So this is somebody who really didn't have as a conscious daily goal to fight the good fight of the faith, but they just were living their life. And all the worries of this life took over their thoughts, the deceitfulness of wealth, thinking, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. You know, that sort of thought process pushed out the desire to be faithful to God day by day, to keep the faith, to fight the good fight. So it has to be a goal. And you have to do this today. Life is made up of a whole bunch of todays. 
Yesterdays are todays that have already happened. The future is todays that haven't happened yet. And today is the day that you can do something. You can't actually do something tomorrow. You can't actually go back into the past. If you're going to do something, you got to do it today. So today is the day to walk with God, to make it your goal, to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith. So make it your goal. That's the G of fighting the good fight. Step number two, recognize the opportunities. Ephesians chapter five says something quite wonderful. Verses 15 through 17 says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Here it says, make the most of every opportunity. So we want to recognize that there are opportunities, that opportunities are real, that they are there in front of you. While you're going about, you're asking and you're seeking and you're knocking, ask God, what are the opportunities I have in front of me? What can I do to fight the good fight? There is something I can do that makes a difference. Show me the opportunities. We're to make the most of every opportunity and that means those opportunities are real that you actually have meaningful opportunities in front of you. Uh, Hopefully this isn't controversial. I hope not. But I want to say this. Too many people, too many Christians think that God's sovereignty makes their efforts meaningless. Well, you know, God is in control. He does whatever he wants. He's in control of everything I do, all of that. And so whatever, prayer doesn't matter. It's all just up to God. And that's it. No, this is just absolutely a lie. The Bible says that we are to make the most of every opportunity. What does that mean? That means that opportunities are real and that you can make the most of every opportunity or you can fail to do so. Opportunities are real things and we want to make the most of them. It is not true that the sovereignty of God means that your efforts in this life are just meaningless and accomplish nothing. It makes no difference. That is absolutely a lie and it's actually quite dangerous because you don't want to bury your talent because of bad theology. Ah, nothing I do makes any difference anyway, so I'm just going to not do anything. Don't do that. You want to fight the good fight. You want to keep the faith. You want to finish the race. You know, this is what you want to do. You want to make the most of every opportunity, believing that those opportunities are actually real, that a difference can be made. You want to grab hold of that. I got to tell you, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen? Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That means it's not meaningless. It's not pointless. It means it actually accomplishes something. So the opportunities are real. Make the most of those opportunities. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Prayer actually works. It's fun praying for people because then you get to see God do stuff. Prayer works. When you share what God has done for you in your life, it sparks faith in other people. It's a real opportunity. Now, when it comes to witnessing, don't just memorize something that people tell you to memorize so that you can give people the business. Don't do that. Instead, look and see, what has God done for me? And then when it's appropriate, share that with other people. Be a witness. Be one who shares what God has done for you with other people because they'll want God to do things for them. God to be there with them and help them through that difficult time. Be a witness. That sparks faith in other people. Service bears fruit. You know, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So understand, we need to make the most of every opportunity. Step number three, recognize the opposition. 
So goal, opportunity, opposition. G-O-O, we'll get to the D in a little bit, opposition. So here's an unpalatable truth in modern Christianity. And that is that not everybody wins. That you can lose the good fight of the faith. You can fail. It can turn out very poorly. This is just a reality. Let's go to Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Not everyone wins. In fact, many lose big. Many, it says, you know, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. Many lose. Many do not succeed at fighting the good fight. They lose the spiritual battle. This is not what we want. There is incredible opposition against us. Now, of course, God wins in the end. Amen? God wins, but not everyone finds the narrow road. So just because God wins doesn't mean that you win. You've got to be connected with God in order to win because there is strong opposition. We have to fight against the devil. There is persecution in this life. Our own hearts can stray. You know, there's division and complacency and failing to love the truth that decimates the church. You know, there's lots of opposition that we face, but we want to win the spiritual battle. We want to help others win. We want to find the narrow road, the road of purpose, the road that makes a difference in this life. We don't want to be on the wide road that leads to destruction. We don't want to be one of the many. We want to be one of the few that finds that life, the narrow road that leads to life. We want to grab hold of that because, you know, Jesus says not everyone wins. Many end up at destruction. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. I've somewhat tongue in cheek said my life goal, whatever, is to uh, make these verses not true, to somehow get the many onto the narrow road, to get everyone, everyone who's hearing my voice right now, into a relationship with Jesus, serving in his kingdom, fighting for the cause of Christ and receiving the reward at the end. I want everyone to grab hold of that. So I don't think what Jesus said is going to fail, but I'm gonna do what I can to win as many as possible. So understand that there is strong opposition but I don't want you to get scared here or to start thinking, oh no, we're in real trouble. That's a big mistake for Christians because guess what? God is stronger than all of the opposition. It's not that God and the devil are duking it out and we're just on the edge of our seats trying to figure out who's gonna win. God is way stronger than the devil. There is a world that is walking away from God. God is way stronger than our cultural norms and the ebbs and flows of culture. He's way stronger than that. So we don't have to fear that, but we have to fight the good fight from the position of being a child of God. 
Too many people are trying to fight the good fight of getting into heaven, trying to fight the good fight of being a child of God. Well, don't try to become a child of God. Jesus has already done that work for you on the cross. All you got to do is receive it. All you got to do is say, yes, Lord, okay, forgive me. Give me new life. Help me walk with you. It's done. You don't actually have to do that part. Jesus did that part for you. He is the one who justifies. He is the one who redeems. You don't have to do that yourself. You just have to trust in Jesus for that. But then you have to be a child of God. And then you fight against the opposition from the position of being a child of God. So that's where we get things like James chapter four, verse seven, which uh, one of my very, very favorite verses, which says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So what's the first part? You know, three steps in that very short verse. Resist the devil is so important and it seems like such an important thing, but the thing in front of it is way more important. Submit yourselves then to God. You've got to submit to God because then you're fighting from your position as a child of God and he will defend you. Then you can resist the devil and he will flee. But if you're just on your own fighting against the devil, you don't have a prayer. You got to have God on your side, you know? So you've got to fight from the position of being a child of God. So submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee. That's what you want. Then John chapter 15 John chapter 15, verse five is uh, very much along the same lines. We used to sing a song about abiding in the vine. And here, John 15, verse five is the essence of that. So this one verse, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So it took me a few years to learn that one, but here's the reality of it. When we are connected with Christ, when we are walking with God, when we have that connection with the Lord, we're submitting ourselves to the truths of God. We're seeking the Lord in prayer. We're worshiping God. We're living our lives as children of God. We are abiding in the vine then. And then we'll just naturally bear fruit because a branch that is connected to the apple tree is gonna have apples come off of it if everything is healthy. It doesn't have to like, oh, please don't be lemons. You know, it's gonna be apples coming off off the apple tree. It's just the way it goes. But if you cut the branch off, it doesn't matter how hard that branch works. It's not having any apples come off of it because it's disconnected from the trunk. You know, Jesus was talking about grapes. You know, you have the grape vine and you got the branches and then the grapes would come. Well, you cut the branch off. It's not going to have any grapes. You leave the branch on. It's naturally going to produce grapes. So we want to be in the family of God. Don't be constantly trying to figure out if you're good enough to be in the family of God. Don't constantly constantly be trying to prove yourself to God. That ship has sailed. Jesus has taken care of it for you. Just believe in him, trust in him, and now be a child of God. Be the person who is confident in who they are in Christ and then fight the good fight, fight against the devil, fight against the temptations of this world, fight against all of those things from the position of being a child of God, and then you can overcome. So you do have opposition. So we want to fight the good fight. We have to have this as our goal. We need to see the opportunities and we need to recognize the opposition. So that's step three. Then step four is the day will come. The day of the Lord will come. So that's the D. The day of the Lord will come. What that means is that we need to understand that the time is short. There are only limited opportunities. Jesus will come. This whole thing is going to end. 
And if this whole thing doesn't end before your life ends, your life can end. The day will come where you will meet the Lord. And all of a sudden, those opportunities are going to be over. The time is short. The clock is ticking. So we need to understand the day of the Lord will come. That day will come. Make it your goal. See the opportunities. Recognize the opposition and realize the day is coming. The clock is ticking. The opportunities are short. I want to go to Matthew chapter 24. We'll read through this where Jesus talks about this. Matthew chapter 24, we'll do verses 36 through 42. And it says this, Jesus is speaking about the end times. And he says, but about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the son of man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the son of man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. The day of the Lord will come. Time is short. We have limited opportunities. We can't make up for the lost opportunities. We can only make the most of today's opportunities. So don't lose today's opportunities because you have a limited number of opportunities. That day is coming. As I was going through these regret things, again, one of the sources uh, said there was a parenting proverb, maybe. It says the days are long, but the years are short when it comes to parenting. You know, like you got the little kids, the days are long. You know what that's like if you've been a parent or if you are a parent, the days are long, but the years are short. That means all of a sudden they're grown up and gone. You know, I mean, I'm, uh, my kids are all grown up now. You know, the, the baby is 22 and, uh, you know, so I mean, like they, they grow up. The days are long, but the years are short. And I think that's true also with regards to the opportunities we have in serving Christ. The days are long. You know, there's always busyness. There's always things going on. There's always things that can take our attention away. But we need to know that the clock is ticking because the years are short. And I had probably the best parenting advice I ever got was when my oldest one was only a few weeks old. And I said something to somebody. I don't even remember who it was. I said something like, oh, man, I can hardly wait till this kid can throw a football. You know, like, <laughs> that's what I said. And, and the, this wise old sage, again, I don't even remember who it was, said, you know what? Th those days will come, but each age has its own beautiful things. And so don't wish for them to be older or them to be younger. Experience the age they are and make the most of it every step through. And I thought, well, that's pretty good. I'm going to do that. And so when they're babies, you know, and I made the most of that and just enjoyed having babies. And then when the, they're toddlers and they're knocking stuff over and they're falling down and made the most of that. And then as they grew, you know, you make the most of their elementary school, you know, and, and when they're in high school and in sports and then they go off to college and you become adults and get married. And, you know, you just make the most of each thing and embrace each season and just live it out to the fullest. And that's so good. And we need to do that 
with serving the Lord as well. You know, what season are you in? Where are you at in your life? You can do something right now for the kingdom of God. Don't wait, you know, all well, you know, some sometime later I'll, I'll have more wisdom and then maybe I'll do something for Jesus or, oh, I'm too old now. I can't do anything for Jesus. No, make the most of this moment that you have. Who are you right now? What season are you in? Don't let that slip away because you're wishing you were younger. You're wishing you were older. You're wishing that it was how it used to be. You're hoping for a different future. Now do it right now because the day is coming. The clock is ticking. Make the most of today. That's what you need to do. Follow Jesus today. As we talked about at the beginning, you got to do this today because the past is just a bunch of todays that are over and the future is a bunch of todays that haven't happened yet. But the only time you can do anything is today. So today is the day to do something. You don't want to end up at the end of the race and you haven't really started because you let each day slip away. So this is it. Fight the good fight of the faith. Good. Make it your goal. Daily goal. Your life goal. You are aware of this. You are making it your goal to fight the good fight, to keep the faith, to finish the race, to win the spiritual battle. That's your goal. Then make the most of every opportunity. See the opportunities, grab a hold of the opportunities. Recognize that there is opposition. The enemy will try to confuse you. You know, other people will lie to you. Don't believe the lies. Love the truth, even if it's boring. Love the truth. Serve the Lord because you're gonna be tempted. You're going to have opposition come against you. These things are going to happen. You gotta be able to stand up against the opposition. We want to fight the good fight. We wanna win against strong opposition. So you've gotta be aware of that so that you can fight against the opposition. And then the D, the day of the Lord will come. The time is short. And so today is the day to serve the Lord, to make the most of every opportunity. If you're ready to accept a purposeful life, then make it your daily goal to serve the Lord, to fight the good fight. See, look for those opportunities, you know, and then face the opposition and recognize the day of the Lord is coming. I want to close by 2 Timothy 4, 7. The apostle Paul at the end of his life says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What a thing to be able to say, when your life is drawing to a close. What a beautiful thing to be able to say. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's worth it. It's worth fighting for that. It's worth believing for that. It's worth going through hardships for that. It's worth prioritizing that. That's where our purpose comes from, is serving the Lord. Now, if you're feeling overwhelmed by this, you're like, oh, Pastor Mike, that's kind of scary. You know, you got all these things you want me to do. Hey, Jesus also said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Part of fighting the good fight is learning how to rest, learning how to have peace in our hearts. It's learning how to do the one or two or three things that actually makes a difference instead of the 200, 300 things that accomplish nothing. So it's your best life. Fighting the good fight of the faith in the face of strong opposition is your best life. So let's pray. I'm gonna do a little altar call prayer too. You know, if if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't given your life to Christ, if you've known maybe a little bit about religion, but you don't know anything about the living God, then today's the day to seek the Lord's face, to connect with God, to open your heart to the living God, the real God that doesn't live in churches, that can meet you right where you are right now. So let's pray. Let's pray for believers to grab hold of their purpose. Let's pray 
If you don't know Jesus, that you will come in and come to know him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that this life isn't a life you created as a meaningless, vain waste of time. But Lord, that you created this life for us to have actual purpose, to be true participants in our lives, to be active contributors to this world and to your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that in your sovereignty, you decided to do it that way. Help us to grab hold of the opportunities that are there, making as a goal to serve you, to fight the good fight, to live this life for you in the face of strong opposition because we know the time is short and that the day is coming. And so, Lord, help us to grab hold of our purpose. Father, I thank you for each one that's listening right now who is a believer activate us in our faith. Help us to live for you today, not putting it off till tomorrow, not focusing on the regrets of the past, but living for you today, making the most of every opportunity, fighting against our opposition because we know the day is coming. So Father, give us that purpose and help us walk in it. And Lord, for each one that doesn't know you, I pray right now that they would see past some guy talking, they would see past religion, they would see past churches and hypocrites and fools, and they would see that there is a God in heaven. There truly is a God that is real and living and that knows them, that God knows you and that God has a plan for you. He has redemption for you. He has forgiveness and a new life to take those regrets away like he took the regrets away from Paul the apostle and brought him into a life of true purpose. Lord, you have that for you. So go ahead and grab hold of it right now. Seek him, knock on the door, ask for a relationship with Jesus and he will meet you right where you are. He'll show you how to be redeemed and forgiven, how to walk into a life of knowing God and having purpose. So Father, I pray that you would meet people right now who have shut the door to you. Lord, let them open that up knock on the door and have it swing wide open. Lord, let it be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.